another wake up call here on Dr. Me First. I'm just so glad that you're joining me. If you don't know who I am, I'm your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. And I have another special episode with you today with Dr. Carol. She is a matron saint of all of us female physicians, and she is talking to us today about being true to yourself. She's going to spread a whole bunch of good nuggets on you. We talked for a good long time, and I just can't wait to jump into this episode and just share all the things that Dr. Carol has been doing for decades. All right, well, let's get into this conversation and then stick around afterwards for a quick word of encouragement. Little, little kick, not a full-on roundhouse kick, just a little bit. All right, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Carol. It's so great to have you here with me today. Thank you for having me. Okay. It's Dr. Carol Jean Murat. I'm I love it. It's a French name. Definitely. Yes. And with all of your different experiences with languages, I'm just a little bit jealous. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking in my fourth language <laughs> with you now. Well, tell all the listeners a little bit about yourself and the magic that you bring into the world. Into the world. I was born and raised in Haiti, uh, uh, a family of healers, shaman, midwives, herbalists, uh, raised by my grandmother, who was an herbalist and a healing touch therapist. Uh, essentially, you, you, you feel something is wrong with you, she touches you, it's gone. That's, that's what I call her, what we will say in the everyday world. Uh, we, you know, if she's a... Uh, she will touch you and you will heal. And this is what I've inherited from her. Also, my grandfather, my mother, all of them were healers. So when I was nine years old, a lot of things were happening, bullying, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up being very ill. The doctors couldn't do anything. And I ended up, uh, they took me to my grandfather's. Uh, he had a temple, a healing temple. And I, and then, and I feel it's just taking me away from all the stress that was happening where I was living. And then I got better. And then I got healed, and I said, I want to be a doctor. He said, no, you have an opportunity to go to school. And imagine in the time in the 50s, you were not, uh, they all didn't go to school, and even thinking about being a doctor, or when I was in the hospital when I was very ill, to know that I've never seen a female doctor, but it's just like I'm going to be a doctor. My grandmother, she wasn't uh, educated, uh, but she always believed I could do anything, and she was a wise woman. And then... So this is my background. I ended up uh, uh, in Haiti finishing my uh, pre-med studies, and my father, who was uh, always there for me, I never lived with my father, le left in exile when I was 15 and said to me before that night, before he left, he said, you can be anything. He always said that to me. You can be anything that you want to be. So I was uh, in a community. I was raised that I could be anything that I wanted to be. And then I ended up uh, in um, – we came to – um, my sister and I, we went to uh, New York first. That's what my father ended up living in, uh, getting uh, his green card in New York. So we had our green cards. We came to New York. But I was going to go to French-speaking university. But I ended up in Mexico. And then from there, I did, did my medical schooling. Then did uh, one year in Jamaica in a very busy hospital. Then went back and did one year of community medicine so I could get my, li uh, my license in Mexico to practice. Then went to Milwaukee at Mount Sinai to do my postgraduate training. By the time I had, I had been um, to my postgraduate training, I was already a bona fide surgeon, 
because there were so many cases that I had to do. So it was a piece of cake for me to be doing my uh, postgraduate training. Uh, but while I'm doing my training, something is happening. It's just like I'm seeing, I don't see my patient as a vagina, as a breast, as a, as a uterus or a fallopian tube. It was like I, I was seeing them in a three dimension. And then so that I call it my curse <laughs> because, and that's what happened. And when I came, I, I, I first did that in Milwaukee and I said, I'm going to come to San Diego, California. Uh, at the time I was married and then my husband was always a physician. And, and I said, I want to come to California. And they said, they don't have any female doctors. They don't have any female surgeons. And I said, I don't like the weather in Milwaukee where I had you know, opportunity to stay there and have a good job. And I said, and all private practice, and I said, I'm coming to San Diego. So that's what I did. So while I was in San Diego in private practice um, uh, as the only female in my department, and then but I said, hey, I'm six foot tall, beautiful. I said, my, <laughs> I took my own horn. And I, but also there was something that I, I had is the, the way I treated my, the patients. Uh, at first I started in the emergency room, patients coming to see me, and there would be an instant trust. And then I was, I was a, uh, doing what I have learned that the patient is, they don't need any machines or anything. They need a hand when they're suffering for somebody to look at them into their eyes and put a compress and say, I'm there for you. And then, so this is what I did in private practice and my, my gift of, of intuition started getting stronger and stronger. And then eventually learning about the, the mind body connection and the a study came and saying uh, 80% of people with, uh, chronic diseases are due to trauma. And then also as a gynecologist, the women will come to me bleeding and all these issues that they have. And then I, I had a mentor, uh, a friend of mine, and she said to me, I want you to uh, put a friend, uh, there was a patient who referred to me and said, I would like you to uh, have a um, modern disability. I said, why should I put in a disability? She said, uh, she's having dysfunctional uterine bleeding, and then she just needs some rest. She just, she has, this is the past, she was abused, blah, 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 blah. Now a job and everything, she, she has no way out. So a weakest part of her body is a uterus. And I said, really, this thing exists? And she said to me, that was in 1991. And she said, yes. And then I said, like, how could I believe something like that? So she had me review charge for women, uh, uh, military sexual trauma survivors. And I was blown away. Mm. I was blown away. Many things had happened to me. I was raped when I was nine by a neighbor, never told anybody. And then all, all these things that happened, and I'm saying, oh, my God, my patients and me, all the things that have happened to me, that's what we get sick. So then she showed me, uh, uh, that's what I learned from her. And then I started not being able to do surgery because when the patient would come to me, they would be bleeding, and I would just, Say, have you had any trauma? And have you have any, any, any of this? And then I started learning how to heal the trauma. And then pretty soon, I quit obstetrics. I quit gynecology. And then, and then uh, and I said, okay, uh, what am I going to do? I don't do surgery. You know, your malpractice insurance is rising. You're paying a lot of money. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to Haiti and start seeing patients and start doing things. And it's, there is nothing in Haiti. There is, the hospital has no water, nothing. And I'm saying, who am I? What am I going to do? And I found my, then I started to write. I have, I've been writing since, uh, let's say, 1994. And I said, at least if I cannot do what I can do, I'm going to, I'm going to educate my patients. I'm going to educate my patients, the mind-body connection. And then I, in 1990, 1999, 
Hay House with uh, I I met with Louise Hay. She's a, some people might not know her, but she's a uh, 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 spiritual and uh, she's the one who, who talked about affirmation. And then we met, and she said, "This is the kind of person you are. You are my friend." And Hay House published my book. It's a best-selling book, Menopause Made Easy. In, uh, and she wrote a chapter into it, and I'm writing. And then I had another book uh, in 2000, uh, Natural Pregnancy A to Z. I'm on the book tour in New York, and I said, okay, I'm going to be writing. I'm going to be speaking. I started speaking and getting paid nicely, and I had a panic attack. Mm. I just, I was in the middle. I was in New York at my brother's house, and I woke up. The walls were closing into me, and then I felt the only thing I could do is go out to the window and say, it's just like, oh, what am I going to do? So I call, I call, oh, I call her Bibi Denise. I said, Bibi Denise, this is what's happening to me. She said, everything, you are going to be 50 years old, and all the things that you've been holding on to, all your past is coming to the surface. And then that's when I, then I learned about the mind-body-spirit connection, how our spirit has to be balanced, how our spirit, uh, our body, and then how uh, we have the spirit, the mind, and the body. So I went and learned and learned and learned and learned, and then, and then she was there with me all the time. I didn't have to do anything except for a while. She said, what are you going to do? You're going to, you have to sleep. I remember that night I was in New York, imagine, and I have to fly. And she said, there was no Scotty to bring me up. And she said, that's what you're going to do. You're going to tap. She told me, show her to tap. And essentially, that, that moment changed my life. Then I started seeing my patients as the whole thing, the spirit, what happened to them? When somebody would come to me, and, and then whether they cannot sleep, whether they have anxiety, whether they're having hot flashes, whether they have, uh, they have uh, uh, whatever symptoms they would have, insomnia. So I would just ask them, what's happening with you? And I always find this is the something that happened to them. It's either something that happened to them in their past or something that happened to them in, 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 in the present circumstances, their jobs and things like that. So, and, so, and the rest is history. So I've done many things that I've done. So now after doing it for so many years with patients, and in, uh, I started, uh, I, I would go to Mexico or to Haiti, and then also I got more experience after the earthquake. Uh, I would go to, uh, when I went to Haiti after and then many times I would go, we don't have any, we don't have any, uh, how do you call it, materials. And then I would look at the patient's eyes, I would hold their hand, and, and I want to do something for them. And they'd tell me, why can't you sleep? Why are you having pain? And, and then I ended up being a healing touch, just that, touching them and asking them, and they would tell me. So when I come to the U.S., and then uh, I start seeing the patient as a whole, who are, it's, it's, how would I say? <laughs> Having to tell me my whole life in, in, in a breath. And so after working with patients, after working uh, as a consultant, the windows at the phone, and in the meantime, the clinic that I go here for 23 years, which is affiliated to UCSD School of Medicine, they, they, the resident, they would send me those patients, the same patient I see in Haiti or as a consultant, and then they would send me those patients or hemorrhaging, they cannot do it anything and and then i'll just ask them why are you bleeding and the one woman she said my my son died and unconsciously she wanted she wanted to die that's what what does it matter what you do for them uh unless you find out the reason she was grieving so the resident starts saying 
what are you doing with these patients? And I would tell them, I, uh, I just ask them. And then I just ask them if they want to heal, why do they want to live for? I hold their hands and then they pray. And then sometimes I touch them. And if they, many of them have been sexually abused, then I'll just do a ritual for them and say, go and cleanse your body. And they come back, they stop bleeding. And they go, can we come and work with you? So I became the intuitive healing mentor for UCSD School of Medicine for the, for the residents that come through the rotation at the clinic where I, where, I, where I go. And then so essentially what I did, and I decided uh, uh, after doing that for three years and then doctors start coming to, to, to learn from me, you know, then and now I am, I saw patients, I saw continuing patients, but I realized, hmm, I know so much. I want to help doctors. I know. And that's where we met up. And I love it so much because you have decades and decades of yes. knowledge and experience in these cases, yes. like the woman bleeding oh. case. And yes. I am just so energized because now you are passing down Yes. this art to me, yes. like in younger generations. Yes. And I'm so excited to share you on Dr. Me first because, oh, I just, yes. I love your story. And I know you said you're telling your life story, but I think it's so important because you're not the new kid on the block. You've been doing this no. for a while. And I love the words yes. you bring for us today, which is be true to yourself. Tell me yes. the message behind that. The message behind that, imagine I come, from, my grandmother raised me, and whatever was always important, because we live in like middle class, and we would have a servant and everything, uh, you, cannot, you have to love everybody, you have to help them, you can, uh, you, and, and you have to uh, do what is right for everybody. So I come from that. So I come here in Western medicine. Of course, I could make, you know, in the beginning, I started making a lot of money. But then, then I realized that, wait a minute, if, if my patient is having a, 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 I don't have to do a cesarean. I'm going to do the same thing when I was in the village in, in Mexico or in Haiti with my mother, just holding hands and let her rest since everything is fine. I've been written up so many times. And then, uh, and I'm saying, the patient has an epidural, she cannot push, and then, and then I'm being told, oh, she needs to have a cesarean because they tell you two hours. You know, the science is telling you how many, how many hours, over two hours you have to do a cesarean, and by the time my cesarean rate is 8%, and my colleagues were 21%. Now it's 50%. It was, it's worse. So it was, it was now that I said, I know I've done it. I can wait with my patients and my patients trust me and I can hold their hands and they get, and they, I go there and massage their forehead and I will be there pushing with them. I remember there was a patient when she, I, I met somebody in, in a, in a uh, somebody, I, I was at a restaurant and he said, my hemo is not going to come out because I was there and I was pushing. I was helping her push. I was covering for a colleague and then I, I, I showed them how to push and I'm push with, pushing with her to give her the you know the energy to 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 deliver vaginally and then I said oh oh my head my hemorrhoids <laughs> I'm pushing so my hemorrhoids are going to come out so I'm very funny and mm -hmm. so the idea was the idea was that uh, uh, I w when I realized I I have to do more cesarean I said, I'm not going to do it the patient trusts me people will come from all over because doctors Jomel Dr Carol 
is going to be with you. So I couldn't not, I had to do the best for my patient, which, which meant taking the word less travel, not doing surgery, instead of, you know, the bread and butter of a gynecologist is, is uh, biopsies and endometrial uh, uh, biopsies and then hysterectomy for dysfunctional uterine bleeding, ablation and everything. And then when I ask the patient, why are you bleeding? Why are you leaking? You know, your uterus is the weakest point, especially if you've been molested or raped. And then they will tell me that, and I go, and I sit, I held their hands, I look into their eyes, and I scrub their body, and then massage their uterus, massage, while they're standing up with their clothes on. And I say, you go and just wash yourself, douche, take a douche, and they'll come back. They say, my bleeding stops. So you don't make money when you're doing, when you're healing, when you're healing with the hands. Or, or patients, what they would do, they would, I remember there was a patient, she was going through a divorce, very nicely divorced. They had money and and then uh, she would come at four o'clock. I would see her name uh, in my calendar. I knew I wasn't going to leave until six o'clock because I was the support for her. I was the right. support for my patients. And then in the system doesn't let us do that. So that's why uh, it, it's, it's been a lot of sacrifices. But when I go, when I go to the gym, when I go anywhere, and, and then somebody said, and their, their eyes open and they start crying and they said, you saved my life. You were there for me. You were, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, me- medicine, so I had to do what I had to do. And then eventually I, I, I was destined to be who I am for, because I come from a family of healers. That's what they do, not in America. But I had to have the MD degree so I can go, like when I make grand rounds at Loma Linda University and then I'm talking to, they have residents, they have students coming from all over the country, 32 of them the last time I did that. And then, and I explained to them, was it a home? Is it a hormones or something else? I said, no, the woman was bleeding because she lost her son. And they, they said, oh my God, it's a new way of seeing the patient. And I said, I see my patient as a, a cake with 12 slices. She's the, she's the candle in the middle. And, and every slice, it's herself, her spirit, her career, a relationship with her children, a relationship with, with her partner, uh, a relationship with the environment. Uh, if she has any physical problems, anyway, there's 12 sections. If anything is going to happen to them, uh, if, if anything is wrong in that slice of that cake, it's going to cause the stress. So people will say, oh, you're under stress, but then what is this causing you to be under stress? And why you, and let's go even backward, why, why, why are you, you have difficulty responding to the stress? There come again the studies that finally, when it came in 1998, I said, oh my God, everything I've been saying is right there. So science has been proving whatever is would have been considered hoo-hoo medicine. But at the time when I was there, my colleagues, their wives, their mothers, their children, I was their doctor. They said, we don't know what she does, but you, you can, you can, you, 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 that you, she's going to operate on you. That's what I did. Yeah. But then. By addressing the to, traumas. Definitely. By addressing the trauma. So I had to go, I had to, I had to be, I had to do that. I had to be true to myself and be true because I'm able to see the, the, I, I know I, we were talking and I said to you, uh, I said to my father, Oh my God, my patient comes and they, they just stop bleeding. My father said to me, you're a fool. You don't do anything. The patient heal themselves. You open, you're the mirror, you open the portal, you open a way for them to see who they are, to connect their past. They see prison situation, like a lady going through a divorce, <clears throat> excuse me. 
And that's why this, the, 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 she's winning. And then guess what? The patient knows. The patient knows. They know what's wrong with them. If you if you making them, you put the portal for them to say, yes, I trust you. You know it's your body. What's happening? You don't have to work hard. My, if I go at the clinic or if I go in Haiti and then we have 200 patients waiting, <clears throat> I could see 80 patients in a day and all of them get their healing because it's just like, how are you? What, why are you here for? I've been bleeding. And I look at the, in the eyes, why are you bleeding? And, and then why you, and then this is what you do. Oh, this is what you do. 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 This is how you tap and when you go home and next. Because I had to be, in, I had in situations <clears throat> where I find myself, I was having an hour with my patients. Uh, that's what I wanted. That's what I quit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then, then here I am having to see a patient in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the answer, I, I say I have a voice. Excuse me. Uh, it's like you have to, you have to do it in one visit. Because I was being trained when I look at the patient's eyes, when I see her, or now him, so I, I work at, you know, I see both men and women, it's just like, doesn't matter what's wrong with you. What's up? And, I, and I go backward, what's happening to you? What was the past? What is it? And then they see, they see the seed in my eyes, what, what's wrong with them. So yeah. this is what I've been teaching. This is what I've been teaching uh, my, my, my residents. This is me. <clears throat> wow, it's something wrong in my throat. No worries. But yeah, I love that. And now I love that you're now extending this from beyond your local institution with residents now on your website, which is drcarol.com, which I'll put all of that in the show notes. Tell a little bit to maybe a physician who's out there who's interested in learning more about your intuitive healing that you're doing through your website. But what is it is that I don't want to work one on one. Uh, one of the things I do, it's that uh, I used to do um, help patients. People will come to me. Oh, but I have a beautiful healing place where people can stay overnight or two nights when you verge on a nervous breakdown. Because I, I had a nervous breakdown. So I have creating that beautiful place in San Diego, that beautiful garden. So when I work one-on-one, it's, I, I am very picky about who I'm going to see. If you're ready. And then I... Uh, uh, I can help you uh, see who you are like the, uh, when I work with the physician. I can work, see who you are, this is what's happening, and then you heal. That's when you come to me, you find yourself who you are, and you get the tools to heal yourself. I don't heal you, you heal yourself. So, and I don't, I, the other thing is that I, if you see, if you go on OSI, you see the presentations that I do, I would like to do the presentations with uh, uh, university or with a hospital or a group of doctors who want to say, I want to learn that. And they want to learn how to use those techniques, those alternative techniques, healing, touch, breathing, tapping, all those things. And also, and also there is one I, a course that I, I have where how do you do, uh, uh, you, we all have that innate ability, innate intuition to know what to do for patients, except we are confined in a system that is telling us it's evidence-based, this is what you're going to do. So that's the conflict. That's what physicians burn out. You don't have much time for your patient. And you, don't, you, you know what you want to do. The patient wants it. But then you don't know how to do it. So what I teach my residents is just like how to walk into the room and connect with the patient and know what it is. And then the healing starts right there. So 
you yeah. won't burn out if every visit you have, every visit, and then it's not about the quantity of time, it's the quality of time. I can go to and see a patient in two minutes. So the teaching is that, so I want to teach. I want to teach, I want to teach doctors. I want to, uh, uh, for example, something came to my mind. doesn't matter what kind of disease you have. If you have diabetes, you can reverse the diabetes. Uh, so, for example, people say, oh, if you have diabetes, you're going to have heart disease, you're going to have uh, 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 high blood pressure, and if you have high blood pressure and diabetes, your risk of, of having a heart attack or a stroke is greater. It doesn't work that way. If you have isolation and stress or anything not happening to your life, then all these uh, are the mother of high blood pressure, the mother of diabetes, the mother of stroke, the mother high of hypertension, the mother of cancer, they're all sisters. So this looking at it is just like, okay, what is happening? For example, I have a, 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 one of the programs I've done is reversing diabetes. So you can just, why, why is it that your blood sugar in one instance switch to, you cannot tolerate the carbohydrates, your blood sugar is high, and you're going to see three to six months prior to that, there was something going on in their lives, and then that's what changes their, their, their body. And it's the same thing. Why do you have high blood pressure? But what do we do? We're supposed to, oh, your blood pressure is elevated. We're going to give you more medication instead of going and say backwards, what is it? What is it that your blood pressure is elevated? Right. You know, well, Dr. Carol, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this goodness. Yeah. I just appreciate yes. you so much. I'm excited for my listeners yes. to check out your website and all the work you're doing yes. and to help you yes. spread this message among the medical community. Thank you so much. You're welcome. there you go. You know, I think it's so essential that we stop saying what is wrong with you and start asking what has happened to you? Because so much I know in my own life and the life of people that I've worked with, it's not what's wrong with you. Because guess what? You are inherently whole. You are perfect. Your essential self deep under all the layers and the judgment and the harsh bullshit that gets put on us through life is a beautiful, beautiful human. And it is time to look at things and say, this is what happened to me. And the next great step from that is then to move past that and say, it is no longer holding me down. It is no longer my story. It's one chapter and I'm putting it away and I'm moving into something else. So no matter what the medium is to facilitate your healing, be it coaching, be it therapy, be it EFT, tapping, be it meditation, be it acupuncture, be it some other alternative method, maybe it's running, maybe it's working through some other things, maybe it's fire jumping, I don't know what it is, but I want to encourage you today to start asking what has happened to me? How can I start healing it so that I can move on because you have got better and bigger and great things to do in your future 
and no longer can you let those hurts and wounds go unattended. Friend, you are a healer by nature and it is time to take care of yourself. So whatever it is that you need to do that, I want you to encourage you to to embrace it. No matter how woo-woo or how straightforward or how big or scary it is. And I want you to know that help is available. All you got to do is ask. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Got some.